0: Letter fourteen of Clarissa Harlow or the History of a Young Lady Volume seven. This is a Librivox recording. All Librivox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LIBRIVOX dot org. Recording by Nicole Lee. Clarissa Harlow or the History of a Young Lady Volume seven by Samuel Richardson. Letter fourteen. Miss Montague to Miss Howe, M Hall, july eighteenth. Dear Madam In pursuance of my promise, I will minutely inform you of everything we know relating to this shocking transaction. When we returned from you on Thursday night, and made our report of the kind reception both we and our message met with, in that you had been so good as to promise to use your interest with your dear friend, it put us all into such good humour with one another, and with my cousin Lovelace, that we resolved upon a little tour of two days, the Friday and Saturday, in order to give an airing to my lord and Lady Sarah, both having been long confined, one by illness, the other by melancholy. My lord, Lady Sarah, Lady Betty, and myself were in the coach, and all our talk was of dear Miss Harlowe and of our future happiness with her. Mr. Lovelace and my sister, who is his favourite, as he is hers, were in his phaeton, and whenever we joined company, that was still the subject. As to him, never man praised woman as he did her. Never man gave greater hopes, and made better resolutions. He is none of those that are governed by interest, he is too proud for that, but most sincerely delighted was he in talking of her, and of his hopes of her returning favour. He said, however, more than once, that he feared she would not forgive him, for from his heart he must say he deserved not her forgiveness and often and often that there was not such a woman in the world this i mention to show you madam that he could not at this time be privy to such a barbarous and disgraceful treatment of her we returned not till saturday night all in as good humour with one another as we went out we never had such pleasure in his company before if he would be good and as he ought to be no man would be better beloved by relations than he but never was there a greater alteration in man when he came home and received a letter from a messenger who, it seems, had been flattering himself in hopes of a reward, and had been waiting for his return from the night before. In such a fury! The man fared but badly. He instantly shut himself up to write, and ordered man and horse to be ready to set out before daylight the next morning to carry the letter to a friend in London. He would not see us all that night, neither breakfast nor dine with us next day. He ought, he said, never to see the light, and bid my sister, whom he called an innocent, and who was very desirous to know the occasion of all this shunned him saying he was a wretch and made so by his own inventions and the consequences of them none of us could get out of him what so disturbed him we should too soon hear he said to the utter dissipation of all his hopes and of all ours we could easily suppose that all was not right with regard to the worthy young lady and him he went out each day and said he wanted to run away from himself late on monday night he received a letter from mr belford his most favoured friend by his own messenger who came back in a foam, man and horse. Whatever were the contents, he was not easier, but like a madman, rather, but still would not let us know the occasion. But to my sister he said, "'Nobody, my dear Patsy, who can think but of half the plagues that pursue an intriguing spirit, would ever quit the foreright path. He was out when your messenger came, but soon came in, and bad enough was his reception from us all, and he said that his own torments were greater than ours, than Miss Harlowe's or yours, madam, all put together.' He would see your letter. He always carries everything before him, and said, when he had read it, that he thanked God he was not such a villain as you, with too great an appearance of reason, thought him. Thus then he owned the matter to be. He had left general instructions to the people of the lodgings the dear lady went from, to find out where she was gone to, if possible, that he might have an opportunity to importune her to be his, before their difference was public. The wicked people, officious at least, if not wicked, discovered where she was on Wednesday, and for fear she should remove before they could have his orders they put her under a gentle restraint as they call it and dispatched away a messenger to acquaint him with it and to take his orders this messenger arrived friday afternoon and stayed here till we returned on saturday night and when he read the letter he brought i have told you madam what a fury he was in the letter he retired to write in which he dispatched away so early on sunday morning was to conjure his friend mr belford on receipt of it to fly to the lady and set her free and to order all her things to be sent to her and to clear him of so black and villainous a fact, as he justly called it. And by this time he doubts not that all is happily over, and the beloved of his soul, as he calls her at every word, in an easier and happier way than she was before the horrid fact. And now he owns that the reason why Mr. Belford's letter set him into stronger ravings was, because of his keeping him wilfully, and on purpose to torment him, in suspense, and reflecting very heavily upon him, for Mr. Belford, he says, was ever the lady's friend and advocate, and only mentioning that he had waited upon her referring to his necks for further particulars which mr belford could have told him at the time he declares and we can vouch for him that he has been ever since last saturday night the most miserable of men he forbore going up himself that it might not be imagined he was guilty of so black a contrivance and that he went up to complete any base views in consequence of it believe us all dear miss howe under the deepest concern at this unhappy accident which will we fear exasperate the charming sufferer not too much for the occasion but too much for our hopes O, what wretches are these free-living men, who love to tread in intricate paths, and when once they err, know not how far out of the way their headstrong course may lead them. My sister joins her thanks with mine to your good mother and self, for the favours you heaped upon us last Thursday. We beseech your continued interest as to the subject of our visit. It shall be all our studies to oblige and recompense the dear lady to the utmost of our power, and for what she has suffered from the unhappy man. We are, dear madam, your obliged and faithful servants charlotte montague martha dear miss howe we join in the above request of miss charlotte and miss patty montague for your favour and interest being convinced that the accident was an accident and no plot or contrivance of a wretch too full of them we are madam your most obedient humble servants mrs sarah sadler eliza lawrence dear miss howe after what is written above by names and characters of unquestionable honour I might have been excused signing a name almost as hateful to myself as I know it is to you, but the above will have it so, since, therefore, I must write it shall be the truth, which is, that if I may be once more admitted to pay my duty to the most deserving and most injured of her sex, I will be content to do it with a halter about my neck, and, attended by a parson on my right hand and the hangman on my left, be doomed at her will, either to the church or the gallows. Your most humble servant, Robert Lovelace. Tuesday, July 18th. End of letter 14.